Good morning. I am, in fact, not John. John is right there, and I'm very glad to be here and very glad to be on this team. Um, my name is Nicole Eunice, and I am going to bring the message this morning. And it's just so good to see your faces. It's just good to be together in the house of God. And I want you to know wherever you are in your journey, if this is new for you, if you're in just a weird place in life, you're in a great place in life, you're just reestablishing some habits, wherever you are, the amazing thing about our God is that he meets you where you are and that the spirit of God is operating and working in our midst in ways that we don't even know. We don't even necessarily understand. Sometimes only in the rearview mirror of life do we see, oh, God has been pursuing me or God's been after me. So if you're here right now and that is sort of where you are, I just want you to know you're welcome here. And if you've been following God for a long time, I want you to know you're welcome here. And it's amazing how God continues to grow us and shape us through his word as we learn together, which is what we're doing here on a Sunday. So we're in a series right now. It's been such a great series. We're going to open it the way we always do. Who here wants to be emotionally healthy? Everyone? Anyone here want to wound other people with the wounds they themselves have received? And especially unknowingly, anyone want to do that? Oh no, we don't, right? Like we all, we all want to be emotionally healthy. It would be weird to say that we didn't. Of course we want to. A lot of times we think that we are. And a lot of what we've been exploring in this series that I'm guessing has really resonated with you is maybe connecting more deeply to be like, oh, I didn't know that that was such a prevalent emotion in my life, or I didn't know that I had that thing going on that I just really haven't been dealing with, and now perhaps you've got some tools to understand how God's really calling us to these whole healthy lives. And I think particularly this morning, our emotion that we're going to talk about is fear. Fear is a very interesting one that we're jumping into today because we have a full spectrum of how we engage with fear. From the place of saying, I don't have fear at all, to like anxiety is completely normal and a part of my life. Like we're, we're probably all somewhere on that spectrum. So I'm going to do my very best to take us to God's word and see what he has to say about fear. But I'm just going to ask you for an umbrella of grace as well as we try to dive into all of the different ways that we can experience fear. So sort of our signature verse for this series is from Proverbs 4.23. Um, you guys have seen this already. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. And remember that in the Hebrew, this word heart doesn't just mean emotions. It means like the seat of your decision making, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, your will. That that word heart there actually means the center, the core of your be being from which all of who you are flows. And we're told here that we need to guard what that heart is. And part of that is understanding these emotions that come from this place and that, that sort of cause us to act in certain ways. So that's what we've been doing in this series. You guys have seen this chart before right here that we're looking at, that we're looking at these core emotions down the center, and each of these emotions has a way that that emotion could play out in your life and create impairment in your life. So that's on the, the I'm gonna now like not be emotionally healthy. I'm gonna live out of something other than emotional health, either in the way it damages me and most likely the people around me, but that each emotion is not a problem in and it of itself and that it is a gift to something else that God uses emotion to bring us to a different place, that fear can actually be a good thing in your life if it can lead you towards the gift, which we're gonna talk about today, of wisdom and faith. Fear itself is inescapable. If someone says they aren't fearful, they are lying or unaware. 
truly. Like, we should all just look to our neighbor and say, I'm scared. Are you scared? (laughs) We're scared of different things. We're scared on different levels. But fear itself is a healthy emotion that we've been given for a reason. Now, the problem with fear, right, is that fear actually signifies need in our life. And what is one thing that grown-ups do not like to be? Needy. That's why this is such an interesting conversation to try to dive in and say, oh yeah, when Nicole says, let's all look at each other and say, I'm scared, do I even want to do that? Do I have a little part of me that's like, no, I'm not, I'm fine. So how do we get beyond that? Let's talk a little bit more about that today. I want to give you the point for the day. Um, This is what I hope we're going to be able to see today, that God does not promise us deliverance from fearful circumstances, but deliverance from a fearful heart. Those are very different things. And you hear John and I and everyone who's on the teaching team say this, this world has trouble. You will suffer and have pain in your life. And you may have heard a different story about how somehow God's gonna take away all of that. And that's not actually what the gospel says. The good news of Jesus is the world is a place of trouble and we will struggle, but God will deliver us from a fearful heart and he brings us into freedom. We can experience a good and beautiful life in the midst of what is dark and broken. God does not promise us deliverance from fearful circumstances. There is reasons that we should fear. We have real fear about real things but he does promise us deliverance from a fearful heart. That is what the promise of Christ gives us. So I wanna make sure we separate fear and anxiety because they're a little bit mixed, I think, in our language today. So I wanna try to do that and talk about those two different things and then we'll talk about the gift that fear can give. So the fear is a dread of something immediate and dangerous. It is related to a specific object or circumstance. We develop fear to keep us alive. It is a necessary thing that is built into us as kids. My last birthday, I like, I like a little bit of a risk. I like a little bit of a thrill. So my last birthday, my husband Dave got me a hang gliding, like tandem ride. And I was like, this is going to be so cool. I'm going to run off the dunes at Jockey's Ridge and hang glide. Little did I know the hang glider is actually going to get pulled behind a plane into the air. And then it starts up there like a thousand feet and then you drift down. But of course, I like to pretend like I have no fear. But as I was going up in this thing and I'm like, they, they, the, the plane lets it go and it's completely silent. And you realize you are actually just hanging from a kite. There's nothing else between you and the ground but a kite, like just wings. And you're like... Humans aren't supposed to do this. This feeling of dread is God's way of saying, what are you doing, girl? You don't have wings. Why are you in the air? Like, that's a real thing. We have fear to keep us from danger. That's what, we also have fear where we can watch other people do stupid stuff, and when we see them do it, we choose not to do it. This is how we keep ourselves alive. If we all had to get burned by the stove when we were two years old or whatever, or fall on the fire to realize that it was gonna kill us, we, none of us would be alive. We were built with the ability to not only have built-in fear that says, danger, danger, stop what you're doing, but we also have the ability to see other people do stuff and be like, oh, danger, danger, don't do that. The problem is rational fear comes from that place, but irrational fear also comes from that place. So we can have fear that's not real, that also develops from watching other people, from our own internal dialogue, from the language that we have. But fear itself is a dread of something immediate and dangerous. It's real and it's necessary because it keeps us alive. Now let's look at what anxiety is. 
Oh, before we do that, here's a couple. I put this up on my Instagram this week. Those are not going to add up. If you are detail people in here, don't try to add up the numbers. This is just a, a, just a broad range. I just threw these out here. And what I wanted to show you, I was so interested in this because they're so even. Like they're pretty even results. On these levels, are you scared of your, do you have fear around your finances? Do you have fear around difficult circumstances and uncertain future? Uncertainty shows up a lot, right? Lack of purpose, loneliness, something else, a fear of physical problems, all that kind of stuff. And what, I, what was so interesting to me is like hundreds of people have all of this like range of fear that's sort of balanced across the way. And maybe you see something up here that you know you're prone to. Like if you were going to look for a pattern in your life, you're like, yeah, that's the thing that gets me. And how do you know if you're experiencing anxiety? If your script of your head was printed out for all of us to see, and we did a data analysis of the script in your head, how many things would show up over and over again? If you did that for one day, if you tried to process for one day, what am I thinking about when I'm thinking? If you want to get in touch with your fear, that can help you. A lot of us call it like thinking um, or just like planning, when in reality it's worrying, and we're worrying about something. And that kind of takes us to what anxiety is, because unlike fear, which is an immediate dread that comes over us, anxiety is a feeling of nervous anticipation about a future event that seems uncontrollable or unavoidable. So we're imagining a scene in our mind that we think is coming, and we develop a dread toward the future, and anxiety is often a response to fear that moves us to action. So fear is a feeling, anxiety is what we do about it, the unhealthy things that we do about it. That's what anxiety creates in us. There's different ways that people deal with fear. Some people are super open about their fear and their anxiety. And in some ways, I think that's really good for us that we're open and we're talking about these things. But here again, with an umbrella of grace, the danger here is I think we can normalize fear and anxiety and just move towards accepting it. And what happens when we normalize anxiety as just the way life is and we move towards accepting it is our world and our life gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Because anxiety takes energy, and it takes energy and it moves it inward. It's a self-focused energy that's about controlling the environment I'm in so that I can feel okay. The problem is that energy is finite. You only have so much of it. So if the energy that could be directed outward, that could be directed towards loving others, towards putting yourself out there, or towards giving things away, starts to move inward slowly over time, it leads you to a smaller and smaller life. So even though I'm glad we're open about talking about it, I am concerned that we normalize it in a way that means like this is just the way it has to be. And I'm like, friends, friends. And we're going to see this in just a moment. God's promise to us, God's gift to us is not that he will deliver us from fearful circumstances, but that he will deliver us from a fearful heart. And that looks really different, and we'll get into that in just a minute, depending on our temperaments, our pasts, all that. But it's still true. It's still true that God does want to deliver us from a pattern that says my life is getting smaller and smaller and smaller because of fear. That's an open about fear way. And then there's those who act like they're fine on the outside, but they're actually just hiding their anxiety. Here's another definition that might help you. Anyone, in, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you're currently making a list right now, 
this is your, this, you're doing this. <laughs> this is you. <laughs> if you're making a list for the rest of the day. Stress laxing, being stressed that you're relaxed and you're more stressed because you're not working on what you're stressed about. See how that's anxiety, what I just said? When we have a fear and the fear makes us take action. We actually want to take an action in order to control the uncomfortable feeling of fear. And that's exactly what this is saying. I cannot relax because I need to constantly be doing an action that makes me feel better about what I'm fearful about. There's that kind of anxiety. Here's another one. This is a little, little Instagram video for you guys. Anyone have this kind of anxiety? really makes me giggle. I just love it. I'm just like, yes. I mean, that the fact that she's in the bathroom, like, oh my gosh, I have to take a minute to let out how actually anxious I am about the situation you're in. So you've got the open to anxiety. You've got the hiding from anxiety. Then you've got the counterphobic people who hang glide and act like fear is not an actual thing. But here's the thing, guys, we all have fear. We are all scared. You could call it whatever you want. You could call it worrying, thinking, planning, anxiety, whatever it is. All of us look towards uncertainty and feel a feeling about uncertainty and have to do something with that feeling. And this is really no different. This is like human nature. This is not new to 2023. This is the way that humans have been since the beginning, which is why the fact that God's word has things to say about this is so helpful. We are all scared because fear is a legitimate response to real pain, to imagined pain. But here's the problem. Fear is so powerful that it's used against us all the time. So we're in a culture and a world that's using fear as a way to sell us the idea that we can have safety. People use fear, advertisers use fear to sell us this idea that we can have safety. Do you know what is like a $115 billion business? Baby safety equipment. Now, I'm not saying that's a problem. Like, let's keep the baby safe. I'm so glad. I was in my friend's house. She had a roving camera in the room. I was like, what is even happening in here? But I, I, I'm a, I appreciate safety. But that doesn't mean that bad, like, sad things don't still happen to babies. We know that, right? But we're being sold this idea that you can, in, you can enter into a kind of safety that's going to make you not need anything. And this is big, big business, the first time that this was used in advertising was in the 1920s. Listerine, the mouthwash, created a story around why you needed their mouthwash. And the campaign was around a woman named Jane, a gorgeous young woman who struggled to get married because of her bad breath. This is an actual ad. I don't, you guys can't see it. It just says it is unexcusable and can be instantly remedied. Since it never announces itself, you simply cannot know that you have it. That's what it says in the top corner. When this ad came out, Listerine's revenue went from $115,000 to $8 million within seven years. And marketers use fear to connect to consumers ever since then. One of the reasons that marketers and advertisers love fear, listen to this, what we just talked about with anxiety, because fear is one of the most persuasive emotions. It's the best way to get someone to take action. Fear is an emotion that compels us to action. The, the impairment of fear that's compelled to action is anxiety. The gift of fear that's compelled to action is wisdom and faith. 
It's not that fear is not compelling you to action, because it is. The question is, which way is the action headed? Anxiety tells us to control so that we don't have to feel vulnerable or need help. And my concern is that we don't think of this as a spiritual matter, even though God so clearly connects our understanding of him to the way that we call out to him in our need, particularly in fear. So here's my unpopular opinion for Sunday. A great and devious lie is that our personalities or circumstances limit our ability to experience freedom in Christ. Now you guys know, if you've been around here, I've been around here for a while, you all know that my first career was as a therapist before I was a pastor. I've spent a lot of time with people in incredibly traumatic circumstances. I understand that when we say something like this, you may feel shame being heaped upon you, like you need to figure it out and get better. And that is not what we are saying at all. However, if we believe that there are circumstances on this earth that are more powerful than our God, then what are we doing? It's not to say that it isn't a lifetime of healing. For some of us, it's a lifetime of healing. It is a battle. It is a day-by-day battle to step into freedom because your life has been so hard and so many bad things have happened to you. But if we're not standing up here proclaiming that there is freedom in Christ, and that your personality and your circumstances and your temperament do not define you, then what are we doing? God is big enough for this. And yes, it's not that it's not hard, and it's not that if you have scars, they're not going to stay tender. Most of, us, most of our scars, to be honest with you, are a gift. Scars from our lives, wounds that we carry that are tender can be a gift, And and skin that is healed and has never been wounded is stronger, maybe a little tougher, doesn't feel the same, as skin that has a scar on it, even an old scar. But just because you're tender at a place or you have to work through something doesn't mean that there isn't freedom in Christ coming. And, And I just want you to hear this morning that if you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with crippling anxiety that is defining your life, there is help. There is mental help, there's mental health resources, but we have a God who does also address this. We have a God who says, you will not be defined by your personality or circumstances, you can be defined by freedom in Christ, and we have story after story after story. One of the reasons why we love community at Hill City is because one of the things that happens in community is we hear each other's testimony, and we're like, oh man, your childhood was rough, and you have so much joy. How did you get there? Oh my gosh, I can't believe what happened with your stepdad. But you've forgiven him? How did you get there? You see, the community of believers together endeavoring to say there is more, there is freedom in Christ. We can do this together. And yes, it may be hard, it may be a long road, it may take a long time, but you are not defined by your past and you are not defined by your personality. You are not defined by your Enneagram number. You can be defined by freedom in Christ. Did you like how I slipped that in there? You can be defined by freedom in Christ. Amen? Okay. No judgment here. But living fearfully is normal, but it's not normal in Christ. What's normal in Christ is freedom and courage. I want to show you guys two stories from Scripture about what happens when we actually understand who God is 
and what he does for us, even in scary situations. The first one's from Exodus chapter one. You might not know the story. Love this story. This is a story right before Moses. If you know who Moses is, if not, it's fine. But what's happening right now is that there's a king in Egypt who is scared of his power being disrupted. And he knows that the Hebrew people that are in his kingdom are gaining power. And so he wants to do something about it. So he tells the midwives that serve their Hebrew community, their names were Shipra and Pua. And he said, hey, when you're helping Hebrew women during childbirth, this is from Exodus chapter 1. When you're helping Hebrew women during childbirth, if you see that a baby is a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. Look at this. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. So the king of Egypt brought them into his court and said, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? And the midwives answered, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and they give birth before we arrive. And I just imagine these leaders, these midwives who led all the other midwives, I imagine them saying, I know this is scary and I know we may die for this but I fear God more than I fear Pharaoh. Like I believe more and have more reverence for God and what he's called in human life and human dignity that I fear that more than I fear Pharaoh. So what I want you guys to do is maybe just stand outside the door while that baby's being born and I'll go and tell the Pharaoh that we couldn't get there in time. It's not that these midwives didn't have fear. It's that their fear was in proportion to something else. Yeah, does that make sense? First thing, a fear of God. Second one, this is from the New Testament. This was Old Testament, New Testament, book of Acts. In this story, Jesus has died and resurrected and ascended to heaven, and now his disciples are telling the story of Jesus. And everywhere they go, they're telling the story of Jesus. And look at this phrase. Peter and John are talking about who Jesus is. And the people around, the religious leaders said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. What I love about this verse in this context right now is that what was surprising to them was that they didn't have gifts that the world says make you worth talk, like listening to. Anxiety tells us that we can control things, so if I work harder, if I know more, if I do more, if I protect more, if I save more, I will be okay. And what was astonishing to these guys when they were listening to Peter and John is that they had none of those worldly qualifications, and yet they had courage. And if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you're going to see Peter does not have courage in this story. Like, he is a man who is becoming something more. He is a man who is changing. And what changed is that they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The difference with the midwives and the reason their lives had courage is because they feared God. The difference with Peter and John was that they had been with Jesus. Fear requires us to acknowledge that we will be hurt. When we fear things like we fear our financial picture, well, that's because your financial picture might get really bad. We fear difficult relationships. Well, that's because in difficult relationships, someone can hurt you really bad. We fear global uncertainty because we can't control it. We have no idea what's going to happen. We have real reasons to fear. The question is, in order to move forward, is not eliminating fear. It's finding ways to handle our fear, finding ways to handle our hurt. So there's a gift in fear if we don't allow it to control us, and that gift is wisdom and faith. 
Fear is an invitation. Just like the dashboard light that John talked about with anger, fear is also a dashboard light. It's an invitation to stop and say, I am in a place of discernment. There is a fork in the road right now in the fear that I'm feeling. I have an action that I need to take. It helps us know when we're in danger. It helps us know when we need help. Talking about fear and helping people with fear was probably the number one thing that came up in my counseling practice, for sure. Fear and anxiety, number one. Not because there was like anything necessarily going on that was more fearful, but just because life was hard, right? And there was stuff from the past to deal with, and there was the present to deal with, and it feels like you get stuck. And here's what's very, very unhelpful. Extremely unhelpful to say to someone who's having anxiety, well, don't fear and trust God. Anybody ever heard that? I, I, I get it. I'm like, I know, I actually know that is the answer. But maybe it would be more helpful for the few minutes that we have left that we actually talk about how to trust God and how to address our fear so that we're not just offering a platitude that doesn't work, you know, like when you tell people to settle down. Is that, did you say that last week, John? Like if you sell, no one, no one ever settles down when you say settle down. That's like the worst thing you could ever say. So if you're having anxiety and someone says, well, just don't fear, you're like wholly unhelpful, completely unhelpful right now. So let's talk about how we could do that. How could we grow in trusting God? How can we grow in addressing our fear? And I I just want to do that with you guys the way that I do my devotions because I realize you're going to leave here and you're going to have anxiety on Tuesday or Thursday or Saturday or later this afternoon. And we want you to have tools to know how to experience God. And I think one of the most beautiful places to engage your emotion and experience God is in the Psalms. The Psalms give us these words that we might not be able to find for ourselves, and they give us a rhythm and a pattern that help us understand how the human heart, as I'm guarding my heart, as I move towards becoming emotionally healthy, how does the human heart engage with God in a way that brings us into deeper trust? So we're going to be in Psalm 34, okay? And we're just going to We're going to just work through the psalm together. I'm going to read some portions of it, and we'll talk about each piece for a moment, okay? Psalm 34, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So we've got this opening to this psalm, and what we see at the very beginning of the psalm is that it is communal, and it's focused on God. So even while the people, that's us, even while the people are in affliction, we are already lifting up God first. One of the things that I love to counsel around when you're spending time with God is that before you get to your litany of worries, you start with a psalm. You, you, take, you, you actually take the discipline to say, before I get to all the things that I'm worried about, I'm actually going to engage my heart and mind to God first. It's an act of will. Remember we said the heart is where your will is? It's an act of will to say, okay, I'm going to pray about these things, and I'm thinking about these things, and I'm worried about these things, but before I do that, I will extol the Lord at all times. While I'm still afflicted, In this moment, while I'm feeling afflicted in this moment, I will extol the Lord. I will lift him up and I will exalt his name together. The community matters. Verse four, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Look at this promise. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him 
out of all his troubles. Verses four, five, and six are about remembering and rejoicing. God doesn't remove the fear, he delivers us from the fear. And somehow in the light of his presence, shame, which we'll talk about next week, and fear and darkness melt away. And I particularly love in verse six, this is a Psalm of David, and there's two ways to interpret verse six. One interpretation is David saying, this poor man, me, I called on God and he answered me. But others say that another way the psalm is used is that in community, when this psalm was read, it would be like, I would point, I'd point and be like, that poor guy right there, he called on God. God answered him. He did. Amen. And, and that there's, there's actual, like, there's strength and there's, there's fortitude that comes from being like, yeah, you, Brick, I see you right there. That man, that's, that's a poor man over there. And he called on God and he answered him. It's like this ability to connect individually with people. It's the ability to say, okay, I might not feel like God is with me right now, but I know what my friend Natalie told me about how God spoke to her next week, and I know that God's going to speak to me too. We need one another. We need to be able to say, remember that story? Remember that time? Remember when God provided for you? Okay, I feel really uncomfortable and uncertain in my finances right now, and it's, it's overwhelming me. I feel panic just bubbling up in me. But that poor guy over there, I remember his story. And it encourages my heart and it encourages my soul. That poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. So even if I am still afflicted now, I know that God is a God who saves. And then we get a turn in the story right here. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord. You, his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So you see the turn in the story. At the beginning of the psalm, he's thanking God for delivering him from all his fears, but now the word fear is being used differently. Now the word fear is about what it means to actually fear God. Fear God, fear the Lord, fear him. And this is all coming out of being delivered from our own fear. This idea of fearing the Lord shows up a lot in scripture. Here's one of the main ones you might have heard before. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's our gift, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The amplified version of scripture says, the fear of the Lord, that is worshiping him, and regarding him as truly awesome is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is worshiping him and acknowledging him as truly awesome. Now you might say, Nicole, how's that gonna make my anxiety go away? I don't exactly know. All I know is that when people say, how do I learn to trust God? My answer is you gotta learn to worship God. You, you gotta learn to see him as awesome. You gotta work at it. You gotta look at something on the ground that God made and be like, that is awesome. You gotta look up at the stars and say, that is awesome, and I don't know how that works, but it is awesome. There's something about resetting our lives into humility and smallness where I'm not trying to control all the circumstances around me, but I know that there is a God who is awesome, that there is a God who's worth fearing, which means worshiping and acknowledging as awesome. And it's incredible what can happen in your heart, the transforming thing that God can do in your heart when you make space to worship him in your affliction, while you are afflicted, while the thing is not getting better, while you are still worried. 
The brain can only think about so many things at once. So when we take worry out and we replace it with worship, we give the worry a rest. It just, it just can't do both at one time. We switch the radio station over to worship. The midwives, remember the midwives, they were faced with a serious situation, but they feared God more. Peter and John were faced with a serious situation, but they had Jesus with them. Here's a promise. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Back to Psalm 34. Here's the end. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days. This is exactly like asking if you're emotionally healthy. It's like, who here wants to love life and see many good days? Kevin does, just Kevin. Okay, and the rest of us do. Okay, great, the rest of us do. Good, yeah, come back to me. Okay, so who, do you, who wants to love life? This, this psalm is gonna give you the answer. It's like, if you wanna love life and you wanna see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. One of the great lies that we tell ourselves is that the action I take in my anxiety will actually relieve my fear. A great lie that we tell ourselves is that we don't have need. Fear is always signifying a need. The reason people hate fear and ignore fear or act like it's not real or scream silently in the bathroom is because fear makes us feel weak. It makes us feel vulnerable. And where do we start? What do adults hate to feel? <laughs> Weak and vulnerable. And yet, this is the place that God meets us. God meets us when we feel weak and vulnerable. But if we are working so hard to take so much action to avoid ever feeling weak and vulnerable, we are missing out on the goodness and the presence of God that actually wants to comfort us in our affliction. If you hear one thing today, one thing to take away, it would be to try to engage more with how scared you really are. Like every time you're th saying, I feel anxious about something, maybe you, maybe you actually name. I feel anxious that this thing's gonna go this way and we're gonna end up homeless. Okay, now we feel fear. Now we got need. Now I feel vulnerable. Now I feel worried. Now what do I do? Now I can go to God. I can go to God because I'm no longer telling lies to myself that I can control everything, that I can make this feeling go away, that I don't need anything, that if I do this thing, if I work more, if I make another list, if I talk about it again, if I do, that I can make it go away. And that's the opposite of need. And God invites us to bring us his real need. To keep your lips from telling lies is to confess your need. I can ask for help if I confess my need. Verse 14 says, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And this is my little analogy of this is, have you ever been with kids, or maybe you, when you're watching something scary? What do kids do? They, they cover their face, right? Or they like go under a blanket. And they, they, see, they don't want to see something. They go like that, right? Adults do too. And, and I, I love that picture because I feel like God's like, hey, stuff that makes you anxious, can you cover your face? Can you look away from it? Like, seek peace and pursue it. So, like, maybe that murder podcast that you listen to as you're going to bed. I don't know. I, you know? Maybe, like, maybe the half gallon of iced coffee. Like, I just, I feel like there's this part where God's like, hey, pursue peace. Pay attention to when you feel peace. 
Who are you with? What are you doing when you feel peace? And do that. <laughs> Pay attention to when you feel anxiety. Try to stop doing that. Like, don't do those things, right? And I know I'm making it super simple. It's not that simple. But there are things, right? Because remember, fear always wants to take action. So actually understanding spiritual action that you can take to relieve fear is really important. Because God says, if you want to live a good life, you are not going to tell lies. You're going to turn away from evil. You're going to turn. And you guys, we have very different markers on how sensitive we are. And what I've experienced is that the longer you walk with God, as you spend time with God, as you become more radiant in God's life, you want more holiness in your life, which means that there may be things that you used to do or watch or say or people that you were with that you will start getting sensitive to because God is changing you. And what he's asking us to do to find that good life is to turn away, seek peace, turn away from evil, seek peace, pursue peace, go after peace, go after the things that bring you peace. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Who's the Lord close to? He's close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. God does not promise us deliverance from fearful circumstances, but deliverance from a fearful heart. A couple of things as we close, just application. Action helps when it comes to fear. You guys have probably heard this before, but I am a huge fan of memorizing scripture and using breath prayer to relieve anxiety in the moment. So if you have one scripture that you know, like one verse that you know, maybe, maybe from this psalm, Maybe from the psalm we started from, Psalm 27. This one is Psalm 34. Maybe you find one and you write it down. And you actually, when you feel yourself panic, when you feel yourself stuck in a loop and you're just thinking, 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 you actually engage with saying that scripture verse. Maybe 10 times in a row. You just say it to turn the channel, turn in the channel. Breath prayer helps to, to sort of relieve your breathing. Walking and praying. You don't have to sit and pray. You can walk and pray. You can walk and listen to the Bible. You can walk and listen to worship music. A lot of anxiety is relieved by movement. So don't confine God to a quiet time with a journal and a pen and your half gallon of iced coffee. You can do more than that. Take breath prayer. Take that on. Remember that fear is an emotion that spreads, that spurs action. 1 Peter 5 says, humble yourselves before God's mighty hand and he will lift you up. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Let's pray. Father, what a good gift to believe the promise that you say that we can cast all of our anxiety on you, small, large, real, imagined, because you care for us. What a beautiful picture to know. Heavenly Father, you who created the stars and the sky and the ocean and the little flowers that come through the sidewalk, you care about each of us. And you ask us to cast our cares upon you, to let you be a part of this anxiety, this fear that we may face in this world, Lord, because you desire to deliver us from a fearful heart. We thank you, God, for the gift that fear is in life because it invites us to faith and it invites us to wisdom and it grows us in compassion. What a good gift we find in that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.